minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. In the candle's light Entranced by the brilliant glare A young boy pondered and stared He dreamed of a world of Kiddusha Where Shabbos is kept To sing the song of Shabbos The whole world is waiting To sing the song of Shabbos The flowers and the trees Sing the song of Shabbos The valley and the mountains Sing the song of Shabbos And I am also Shabbos, I am also waiting to sing the song of the Shabbos. 
First time ever there, strapped into his knapsack with his long and curly hair, stood there for a while, broke out with a smile, emotion, overwhelming joy, with tears. The men were dancing there, their hearts so full of love. They sang such happy tunes. To thank the one above for showing them the way, for giving them a day to rest, rejoice with peace of mind, to pray. Sunsets over the clouds As the world stands so still Not a sound But listen carefully You can hear the whispering Announcing the arrival Of the Shabbos Queen The candles reflecting the joy on the faces of every girl and boy Mother prays there silently Children sing As the Shekhinah descends To fill the world with peace Sun in me from the dark Comes my Shabbos, my spark And it's holiness lights up my soul It's a treasure that me feel whole and my spirit 
Not every tune I write is a hit song. Not every swing is a home run. Here's what you gotta know before we get started. You win some, you lose some, there's pretty, there's gruesome, there's lows and there's highs, hellos and goodbyes. You win some, you lose some, there's pretty, there's gruesome, there's ups and there's downs, but don't turn around. If you hear me singing this song, you know that I'm trying. All I've got's this promise to keep fighting. I don't have a pretty picture trophy smiling If you hear me singing this song You know that I'm trying Lo yolecho am locho ligmoi Lo yato ben choirin liwatei el vimeno Lo yolecho am locho ligmoi the highest, highest to try. You win some, you lose some. There's pretty, there's gruesome. There's lows and there's highs. Hellos and goodbyes. You win some, you lose some. There's pretty, there's gruesome. There's ups and there's downs. But don't turn around. If I hear you singing this song, I know that you're trying. That promise to keep fighting. You don't need a pretty picture trophy smiling. If I hear you singing this song, I know that you're trying. We don't need your home run. The only way to win is to have fun. With humble eyes, look to the sky. The highest, highest to try.
Chai Anta Bruno Shovolomoch Rema Machai Achai Verei Anta Bruno Shovolomoch Rema Beis Hashem Hashem Elokeinu Avakso Avakso Tuvo Bobo Ivo
Kessin with that uh, lovely Nigun here at JM and the AM. I call me Shemayim was Mordechai Shapiro. You heard Levi Folkowitz and Lamana Chai. Curry Bohm, Mayor Sherman, eighth day had both Loa Lecha and Lucky, Avi Hessel for Chododi. Anam Zmirot, that was Evi Weinstock and Ari Tsukar. Osa Shalom from Yaakov Chesed. Eight Tan Cats had Huel Okenu and Lechadodi. Baruch Levine with his Shabbos medley, and of course, Regesh opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this January the 7th, day 5 in the month of Shvat, the year 5782. Tavshin Pei Beis, the calendaric year or the uh, secular year is 2022, the 7th day of the brand new year 2022. Terror of Shabbos Parsha's bow, candle lighting time at 424 in New York. 424 is your official candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are, but again, officially in New York. We are announcing 424, 29 degrees, partly cloudy, and a high temperature of 35, probably 3 to 5 inches of snow on the ground if you're in the New York, New Jersey area. Clear tonight, low 22, and tomorrow sunshine and a high temperature of 31 degrees. Right now we're at 65 in Yerushalayim, 29 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. I uh, got our news from Israel coming up. Harry Rothenberg, of course, on Parsha's bow. Um, Malcolm Honeline scheduled. To join us for the weekly update, uh, Rabbi Yudin from Israel coming up. Naomi Nachman, brand new at 9 o'clock with a brand new table for two. We'll speak to her toward the end of JM in the AM. And uh, plenty more happening on a Friday, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Don't forget the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. That's going to happen right after uh, Naomi's uh, table for two. He'll start at 10 a.m. Eastern time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens every single Friday at 10 a.m., part of the... Uh, the thrice presented Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem's. So that's our story here at JM the AM. Kedem presents our Erev Shabbos music mix. And of course, our final hour as we get closer and closer to Shabbos. And I'm glad you are out there tuned into our wonderful programming. News from Israel coming up. And the plenty more weekend programming includes Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. And, of course, Matis with JM Sunday coming up Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. News from Israel is coming up next. And then plenty more between now and 9 a.m. here at JM and the AM. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. צהל השעה שתיים באולפן ערן קורצי מה שקורה עכשיו. בשעה זו מובל עם נוחות המשורר והפזמונה יורם תערלב בבית העלמין בקיבוץ יגור שם נולד. תערלב נפטר אתמול בגיל 84 בתום מאבק ממושך במחלה קשה. כתבת התרבות שרון לויט מציינת כי מוקדם יותר היום הוצב ארונו בתיאטרון הבימה שם ספדו לו בין היתר שר הביטחון בני גנץ, שר התרבות והספורט חילי טרופר והזמרת ירדנה ארזי. 
עקב השינוי במתווה הבדיקות, מתחמי פיקוד העורף כמעט ריקים היום למרות הזינוק בתחלואה. כתבנו לענייני בריאות שי פרידמן מעדכן שבמתחמי הבדיקות בודקים גם אנשים צעירים, ומשרד הבריאות הבהירו הבוקר שייתנו זמן הסתגלות למתווה החדש. דובר צה"ל בערבית, סגן אלוף אביחי אדראי, חשף תמונות שצולמו על ידי רחפן של חיזבאללה שהוא פעל לאחרונה בידי צה"ל. בתמונות נראים פעילים מהכוחות המיוחדים של חיזבאללה במהלך תרגיל הטסת רחפנים. סגן אלוף אדראי ציין כי בחודשים האחרונים נרשמה עלייה במספר רחפני חיזבאללה שצה"ל הפיל, זאת בעקבות מאמץ מיוחד של אוגדת הגליל נגד הרחפנים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון, דורון קדוש. בכפר עקרבה שבשומרון מובאים למנוחות שמונת הנערים שנהרגו אמש בתאונה בבקעת הירדן. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון שחר גליק מזכיר שבבית החולים הדסה עין כרם עדיין מאושפזים שני נפגעים נוספים מהתאונה במצב קשה ובינוני. ברשות הפלסטינית הכריזו היום על יום אבל בעקבות התאונה המחרידה. תחזית מזג האוויר בעיר עד מעונן חלקית עם טמפרטורות מעט גבוהות מהרגיל לעונה, מחר ללא שינוי ניכר, ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת בור בירושלים ב-4 ו-11 דקות, בתל אביב ב-4.32, בחיפה ב-4.19, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4.34, ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים ב-5.30, בתל אביב ב-5.31, בחיפה ב-5.29 ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בערב ב-5.33. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות. Oh, boys, they're so 
סיפור על הטעם כה נחמד שהיה כאן, מסתובב בין כולם, ובכל זאת לבד. כל החייו לא ביקש שום דבר להחייך, וקיבל באהבה כל מה שעבר
Simcha Liner in that medley off of the uh, Project Relax Israeli edition. Before that, Yom Zed done by Eitan Freilich here at JMNAM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with candle lighting at 424. Harry Rothenberg has uh, important words about this week's Parsha to share with us. Here he is at JM in the AM. Those of us who pray know that sometimes we do so with incredible intensity. Kavana, concentration, Yom Kippur, praying for a child, praying before a surgery, some other important life event. But other times, we are guilty of mailing it in. You're in synagogue, or you're at home, you've got the prayer book open, and you're looking inside, and you're kind of, sort of saying the words, or mumbling them, but you're not really concentrating. You're not paying attention. You're thinking instead about how you could have bought Bitcoin for $1,000, whatever in history. There is a time that someone could have been forgiven for mailing in a prayer, in this week's Torah portion, when Pharaoh, Paro, asks Moshe to pray for him to stop the eighth plague. You could have certainly forgiven Moshe after agreeing to say, okay, God, uh, listen, I agreed, (laughs) Paro, plague, maybe do something about it. Okay, great, we're done. Nice to talk to you. But he doesn't. He prays with his usual incredible intensity. How do I know that? Because the word that the Torah uses to describe Moshe's prayer is the same word that it uses to describe a prayer long before, the prayer of Yitzchak, the patriarch, when he was praying for children. That's an incredibly intense prayer. And what's more incredible is that this isn't the first time this has happened. If you look at last week's Torah portion, you'll see three prior instances after the second, the fourth, and the seventh plague, where Paro asked Moshe to pray for him. And Moshe agreed, and he did, intensely. How do I know? Because one of those times, the same phrase is used as in this week's Parsha. And in another one, we're told that Moshe cried out. The same phrase that the Torah uses to describe the cries of the Jews from the backbreaking labor, from the enslavement. And in another instance, we're told that Moshe raised his hands in prayer, similar to how later in the Torah he's going to raise his hands in prayer when the Jews are locked in mortal combat with their most bitter enemy, Amalek. So instead of mailing in those prayers, Moshe's really praying with intensity. And I think that we can tease out at least two lessons from these incredible scenes. Number one, you have to always give people a chance. Moshe kept giving Paro chances over and over again. The first time Paro asked, Moshe could have said to him, are you kidding me? You want me to pray for you after what you've done to the Jewish people? After you've killed so many Jewish babies and adults, the enslavement, the torture, the brutality, no way. But he says, okay, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to pray for you. But then Paro breaks his word, changes his mind, doesn't let the Jews go. God brings another plague. Paro asks again, pray for me. I, I, I Forgive me. I made a mistake. I'll let them go. Moshe could have said, excuse me, once burnt, twice shy, no way. But he doesn't. He gives him another chance. And then the third time, Moshe could have said, excuse me, three strikes, you're out. I'm not praying for you this time. But he doesn't. He gives him another chance. And then in this week's Parsha, another chance, a fourth chance. So if Moshe can give Paro, chance after chance after chance after chance, you too can give people chance after chance after chance after chance. Don't ever give up on anyone. And second, you make a commitment, you keep it. Moshe made a commitment to pray for Paro. And Paro wasn't looking for just a prayer, a mumble, a kinda sorta. He was looking for a Moses-level prayer. And Moshe committed to pray as Moshe. So he felt bound, felt committed to putting in a Moses-level prayer. 
with his usual, typical, incredible intensity, more intensity than we could possibly fathom or imagine. If we make a commitment, we must keep it.
Levi Cohen with Raza the Shabbos. You heard Yehuda Green's Chizuk Nigun. Shabbos done by Shlemy Gertner. Miami with Shalom Yisrael. And Shainis, that was uh, Shimmy Engel here at JM in the AM. I remind everybody that shopiclers.com has a, uh, until the 10th of January, has free shipping with promo code radio. Anything you order at shopiclers.com, free shipping with promo code radio. It's the largest Judaica store online, shopiclers.com. They have same-day delivery to Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Tom's River, and Jackson, New Jersey. And now, until the 10th of January, shopbyclothes.com has free shipping when you use promo code RADIO. Check it out. 
and enjoy. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old World Classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. Modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO and try A&H today. And listener Cena sent us a note. Uh, first birthday of the year, she says. Um, best wishes for a very happy birthday going out to my magnificent middle daughter, Sarah B. Wishing you a great day and a fabulous year ahead, filled with good health, simcha, and tons, tons of nachas from your beautiful family. And, of course, many, many more happy birthdays and good health till 120 with lots of love from Ima. Way down in sunny South Florida, we, of course, know her as listener Cena here at JM in the AM. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Yaakov Shweki. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 424 on this Erev Shabbos. 424 on this Erev Shabbos. Don't forget our great weekend programming. Avrami has Saturday night Siegel tomorrow night starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Matis has announced that this coming Sunday, he'll start uh, JM Sunday at 7 o'clock, which he does every single week. And uh, this week, he'll be speaking with Pamela Braun Cohen, author of Hidden Heroes, one Woman's Story of Rescue and Resistance in the Soviet Union. Uh, Pamela Braun Cohen is Matis's guest uh, this coming Sunday on JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Reminder that our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have thousands of articles you can print out before Shabbos to enhance your reading and knowledge and hopefully comprehension of what's happening in this, in, in this interesting world of ours. Um... Go to jewishworldreview.com. Again, you can print out whatever you wish before Shabbos. And uh, 
enjoy and learn from those articles that they provide on their site. Thank you to JewishWorldReview.com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us on Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Appreciate that. What's your reaction to Israel making a decision to allow Americans and others to fly freely, quote-unquote, because I don't know if it's ever freely with the PCR tests, etc., that are necessary, uh, now to the state of Israel? You still have to buy a ticket also, so it's not really, <laughs> but uh, I think it's uh, overdue, and uh, we obviously welcome it. A lot of people feel relieved, but they're still not certain, and I think uh, by Sunday we will see that the everything will be in place, hopefully. Uh, there's still confusion, I know, with some people on, on arrival, um, but um, I, I think government came to recognize that they breached a point where the regulations were not we're not serving a purpose, uh, the purpose intended. I don't think that a lot of the characterizations that have been made, including by people I respect a lot, about calling Israel's decisions a moral disgrace. Every country has the right, and every country has taken steps to try and protect its citizens. Nobody has a magic formula. And if it protects the lives of Israelis to keep people, to restrict entry, then it's valid. The problem is the application was, frankly, uneven and even at times corrupt, that people could buy their way in and people could uh, bypass uh, the regulations, and also that they were unevenly applied, that people who had real lifetime issues, uh, events, or crises uh, with relatives in Israel had a hard time uh, getting in. I think that, the, um, that this now, I hope, will be settled but to talk about breaking the covenant and moral disgrace, et cetera, is, is uh, unfair and only uh, you know, blackens Israel's name. I do think the government has to look into what really happened and the process and the people involved in the process um, about the, the sometimes really irrational decisions that were made. Uh, well, on the first thing, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the confusion, the bureaucracy, uh, the, the uh, tension and pressure that people felt, uh, you know, e- even those who knew that they had a right to go under the regulations, first-degree relative, smachot, funerals, etc., until e- the last minute, you know, one was holding their breath, hoping right. it would actually happen. Uh, Israel, for decades, as you know, was known for uh, its uh, fashionable bureaucracy, maybe a little less so in recent years, but uh, this certainly uh, brought back that reputation, I think. Uh, on the other point, is uh, with, with, with uh, moral decisions, etc., uh, I, I think that there has to be at least an acknowledgement of the frustration that people felt being shut out of Israel, and that essentially it being a, you know, a, an almost blanket statement made on more than one occasion by the government of Israel. And on top of that, I think there's a great concern about what this in general is going to do with the relationship between diaspora jury and our heritage and tradition. See, when it comes to other countries, I don't think people think that there's a, a need to, to visit there, you know, to the degree that there is a need for young people and others to visit Israel, because it is so vital in terms of the, the energy that one gets in regard to their own tradition and heritage. So I, I think those statements, some of them you might be right, are a little irresponsible, but I think they needed to be made 
because I think every Jew around the world needs to remember that with this terrible divide that we've been suffering from, Israel is so essential to diaspora Jewry around the world. Uh, I, I think that the, I mean, you're characterizing it. I, I can't even remember how you started anymore. But but the 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 fact is that the people will, will now. There's a lot of pent up demand. I don't think that people care less about Israel because of it. That for many who took Israel for granted, who would go many times a year, now will appreciate much more the ability to go to Israel and realize how important Israel is in our lives and how central it is, and the inability to come and visit Yerushalayim. I agree that the and I stated about the application and about the the complications, but the the fact that this should should sever the relationship for those who wanted an excuse and for those who were, who were looking for something, but on the other hand, the the fact is that the Masa trips and some of these other birthright trips, others were going on for for much much of this time, and the um, and that I think you will see a surge. In visitors coming once uh, once the borders are open and and there's a clear policy um, of people with the pent up demand and and really desire and maybe it'll wake people up too to how important Israel is in our lives and then we not take it for granted. Okay, I hope you're right. Aside from the um, uh, the news about uh, red countries turning non-red and uh, Amer- mm-hmm. and Americans, for instance, being able to travel, there's now. I, I, I don't know, is it a regulation, a suggestion? Uh, what is the fourth vaccine for people over 60 now in Israel? Is it a must? Must everyone over 60 take it? How is that working? It's, it, well, they're applying, they're making it available to people over 60, and a lot are taking advantage of it. And whether they will mandate it for everybody, I think, is unclear right now. That is not, it is not mandatory. But it shows that a five-fold increase in protective uh, antibodies, I guess, they're called um, uh, from people who took the fourth shot. There are people who still don't want to take the first shot, let alone the second, third, and, and now the fourth. So, uh, you know, especially for older people who are the most vulnerable and others who have vulnerabilities, they are recommending strongly that they get it and they've made it available. I uh, I wonder what happens when the next variant, God forbid, mm-hmm. shows up. I mean, it, that's the question, it, right? I mean, how will the United States handle it? How will Israel handle? How will every country handle it? Because after two years of this, I just don't know if a if another variant is going. If God forbid, it even suggests that there should be a complete lockdown. I don't know how anyone's going to survive at this point. Um, and I guess the experience of the last two years will assist governments in judging how to deal with the next variant. I don't know if Israel would have made this decision this week as quickly as they did if not for this two years of experience where basically they're admitting that really nobody knows exactly how this thing is going to go. And the fact that this variant did not produce the ICU occupation and uh, severity that uh, Delta did, and nobody knows whether Delta will come back, whether this will be cyclical and like the flu, which is now hitting people very hard. And I think a lot of the uh, numbers you see about hospitalization has to do with the flu as much as it does with the uh, corona. Uh, that, uh, you, as you said, it's unpredictable. Nobody has experience uh, with this. They try to learn from one country from another. Uh, but there, 
there was a point to to trying to isolate people. There were there were points about wearing masks. Everything is subject to debate. Everybody has an opinion on it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when the governments try to impose rules, you see the resistance. You see it in, in the United States how strong it is. Uh, speaking of viruses, what do you know about this bird virus going around Israel, and is it going to affect availability of food, and will it affect the um, um, uh, the economy of Israel because such, you know basic items are going to be affected? Um, birds are not my focus, but the, <laughs> this is a crisis. Sometimes bird brains, but uh, this is a crisis in in the fact that they had a call huge number of birds. Yeah. Uh, it's also the migratory patterns of birds that, you know, Israel is a waypost for the transmigration of birds from Africa. And uh, th- this can be transmitted, they said, to human beings. Oh, so Israel is, again, taking dramatic, dra- drastic measures and dramatic measures uh, to prevent and to, to avoid. And frank- frankly, if perhaps other countries had done this early on with um, with uh, this virus, with the COVID, that maybe would have been diminished in severity. But it's a prophylactic message, uh, uh, measures which are very costly and will raise the price uh, of um, chicken particularly, but also other things uh, uh, ultimately. Uh, and hopefully the government will help uh, subsidize some of the farmers who, for whom the loss is catastrophic. If it's not one thing, it's another, huh? Exactly. Every day, more and more things and more and more challenges. What do you know about this helicopter military crash in Israel? Well, the most regrettable part is that two amazing young men were killed, and uh, one miraculously survived, walked away, tried to help the others out, but couldn't. Um, It looks like it was an engine fire. It it was not hostile action, as far as we know now. And... um, it's just a reminder about the people who are putting their lives in line every day to protect the state of Israel. Yeah, that's for sure. By the way, I wanted to mention back to the vaccine for a moment, not to minimize the story about the helicopter crash. And you're right, we always seem to lose our best uh, in these things. But back to the vaccine for a moment, there, there is a... Um, um, uh, I mean, you've warned us about this, about people uh, out there who get the attention of the media who are trying to blame whether it is the vaccine or the actual uh, virus uh, on Jews, the link between the vaccine and anti-Semitism. And I think I just need you to reiterate that that continues to happen. It not only continues to happen, we saw some high-profile case, uh, the high-tech executive, and uh, he he lost his job as both as chairman of the company and as uh, director of the company, Um, he is, uh, you know, and, and that he doesn't back off. It has to be a case of mental illness. Uh, but the, the fact is that we're seeing posters going around showing that this is from the Gaim Defense League, they call themselves, or for other groups, where they're trying to make links and show that people who are involved in the process, like heads of uh, certain pharmaceutical companies, are Jewish, which has nothing to do with the, the reality, but they are latching onto it. So... There, there, there was that extensive work done um, by uh, NCRI about, uh, the, and I think for Walmart and for others, uh, to show them that they could predict where, where there was likely this resistance to vaccination and the, and the hostile reaction. And it's, uh, there are patterns to this that are very disturbing, and people will latch on to any excuse. And the fact is that, that people believe it. People, uh, uh, there are always a percentage of people who are ready 
to accept any anti-Semitic or racist or other um, tropes that, that people invent. The problem with this is that uh, we're seeing it manifest in various places, not huge numbers, but significant enough to be of concern. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSegal.com, and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. I've been asked to ask you about um, uh, about yesterday, and uh, really from the perspective of the Jewish community, because you've warned us that um, as the political divide continues to get more serious and the rhetoric uh, really amps up on both sides, unfortunately for the Jewish community, history tells us that we're not really we're not really safe on either side of the issue. Uh, as you saw yesterday, the the heated uh, discussion on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, regarding the January sixth anniversary. Um, uh, can I can I uh, assume that you're concerned about the uh, Jewish community going forward if this type of atmosphere continues? I'm concerned, and have you know, talked on the show for many years about the lessons we learned from Europe about the loss of the political center, about the political divisiveness that we saw evidence there, and that this eventually makes its way to America, and we're seeing it now. And, and Jews need stable political systems. We need the rule of uh, uh, law and order. And we want society as a whole to be, you know, to, to address uh, those who violate the standards of justice uh, without the, the uh, extremes, both left and right, that we see operative today. And the, the vituperative debates and the personal accusations uh, are not beneficial to the United States at also puts us in a very bad light abroad at a time when, uh, you know, confidence in America is is waning, they tell us, and, and you see it manifest in events in the Middle East in particular uh, these days, and the reaction of countries who take certain measures, in part because they don't know where the political future lies or what will be happening. So people have to understand that, that the world is looking at these things, and it has an impact on, on America, and when the, our attention is diverted from some of the vital concerns, I mean, we haven't even talked about Iran yet. We haven't talked right. about the developments in Yemen or Jordan or, or um, uh, Lebanon uh, that the, and the attacks in Gaza. You know, attention gets diverted to, to this sideshow. No question about it. Um, well, let's start with some of those uh, issues on the Syrian border this week. There was uh, some type of activity where Israel was suspecting that uh, there was some type of infiltration. What happened up there? Yeah, that, that wasn't uh, significant. That was somebody that uh, wandered up. They fired some warning shots, and the person, whatever it was, left. Um, but there are ongoing attempts to penetrate from the north, both from the Syrian border from uh, primarily, but also from Lebanon, and periodically they fire a missile or something, but more importantly is the buildup, and Israel is taking measures to not to allow any presence to be established there. And we know the militias backed by Iran, as well as Hezbollah, are continuously trying to establish themselves, often you know, under the guise of wearing Syrian army uniforms, wow. to get as close to the Golan where they would like to do like a... a, a uh, a raid, a lightning raid, where they had kidnap some people, some soldiers, or attack a community and try to get back. Uh, this is one of their goals, and I think the uh, that's why any kind of penetration or, or a sign of it is taken very seriously. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> and when you say Lebanon specifically, these are attempts to 
infiltrate Israel, or uh, you're, you're referring to what's happening inside Lebanon itself? What's going on up there? Well, both. I think uh, that's actually a good question because the they're related to to um, uh, to both aspects. The internal situation there is deteriorated, and over the last few weeks, we haven't uh, really discussed it, but it's it's. Um, it's very serious. The economic collapse, the political rivalries, even Aoun, the head of the Christians who was aligned with the Hezbollah, has now sort of broken or at least challenged Hezbollah publicly. And they, uh, there is ongoing tension within the country. There were huge demonstrations. Uh, the divides are several. And as you know, the, the country has a, a mandatory division in the cabinet, in the, in the constitution between Christians and Muslims. But now, the dominant factor is really um, is really Hezbollah, which remains uh, in effect and in force there, and it's something of great concern to everybody who cares about what will happen there in in the future. The the uh, you know the the buildup of their capacity in 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 having 150,000 missiles and um, constantly trying to bring in new weapons. That's why Israel struck at Latakia. Uh, but they struck from the Mediterranean because you also have Russian resources there, uh, both the uh, naval base, air force base in that area. But we see the efforts to establish um, a more permanent presence. We know that they're trying to take over an air force base, an old air force base, um, south of Damascus, uh, by uh, with uh, facilities being built up to be able to house Iranian drones which can be flown then against Israel and protected from raids because they are underground. Uh, the uh, shipment that Israel detected, obviously, and, and was eliminated in the warehouses just on, as they had uh, been unloaded uh, for distribution both to, Hamas, to, to Hezbollah in Lebanon and to forces in Syria. Also, the presence, the increasing presence of, uh, of, of Hamas in uh, in Lebanon, and that could be a challenge to Hezbollah or something that they, you know, that they can have as somebody else to blame for for whatever takes place. Yeah, I always thought there was understanding that they stay out of Lebanon and let Hezbollah keep the country. There, yeah, they they, they there was an understanding that they they <laughs> would be busy in um, in the south, but it could be that Iran wants to put pressure on and therefore have an alternative vehicle there. To uh, carry out some some attacks if they think that Hezbollah is too timid, uh, Hezbollah obviously is trying to operate as much as possible from uh, from Syria and build up its its capacity. They do not want a war. Lebanon, the economy is in collapse. The the currency is collapsed. The, there's a lot of uh, demonstrations, and many of them are are really huge demonstrations uh, against the government and against uh, against Hezbollah. You know, it's funny because to so many of us, we think Hezbollah and Hamas are essentially the same thing, but uh, Iran is completely different, right? It, it could, they are two different groups. They they um, operate with their own leadership. They try to cooperate uh, where possible. Um, they they share some resources, but but they operate completely independently. You know, we also found the the reports this week that Hezbollah has two thousand drones. This is part of the Iran's UAV. Uh, fleet and an army, um, and 
they can operate, you know, in, in a large range, maybe up to 2,000 uh, kilometers. And you think of these things also being in Venezuela and other places, which represents the direct threat to the U.S. And, by the way, as you just mentioned, in the new election in Chile of a very hostile president replacing a very positive president. This is the third leftist, extreme leftist, to win an election in South America just in recent days. And we have more elections coming in Colombia and Brazil. We're very pro-Israel and pro-Jewish uh, can, uh, incumbents uh, are likely to be replaced by uh, very different uh, successors. Uh, and remembering Iran's investment in South America, um, they even have made independent manufacturing capabilities. Well, the same thing exists in Lebanon. And you think of uh, the ability then to uh, have multiple strike capacities if they ever decide to, to use them. Yeah, and I think every week, there's a period of time where every week you'd be mentioning the connection between Iran and South America, and um, we haven't heard about it in a while, but their influence there can't be minimized. Right. Um, the, um, and then you mentioned, you mentioned Jordan and Yemen. Where, what, what's happening in both Jordan and Yemen? Okay, so Jordan is a more positive story. We saw the meeting between um, Defense Minister Gantz and the king, and this is one of a series of meetings that have been held. So the relationship seems to have improved with the new government. Uh, there were tensions with uh, Netanyahu, although Netanyahu really went, went way out on the limb for, for uh, Jordan uh, on several occasions, some of which I, I witnessed my, uh, myself. So in Yemen, uh, we had the seizure of another ship by the Houthis on the high seas, uh, in the Red Sea, and... Um, they claim that this is part of their right uh, to engage in it, but it's part of the naval conflict that is going on. And they said that it was a lesson for, for Israel. And um, But the Houthis remain and are still getting weapons, and there's been interdiction of several ships over the last few weeks uh, trying to uh, counter the ongoing trade and uh, weapons shipments that are going to the to the Houthis. The battle in Yemen is, ha, has not gotten the attention that it deserves because the UAE, Saudi Arabia, others are still involved to greater or lesser degrees. And the the support they get and the uh, they make blank, blanket anti-Semitic statements, including cursing the Jews, as they did just in the last couple of days, and the ship that uh, was an Emirati ship in the UAE, uh, which was seized, and they said they have secret weapons and secret ways of doing it. The real danger, again, uh, that we should be looking at is their drone capacity, where they, they have drones that can fly from Yemen to Israel, and they carry weapons. And so the, um, the Houthis uh, are not to be dismissed, and the conflict in Yemen... Uh, you have the Bab al-Mandab, which is one of the most critical choke points on the Red Sea and on shipping, where 60% of the uh, oil going to the west, uh, between there and the Straits of Hormuz, they can um, uh, choke the shipments of the west. And the U.S. has had patrols. The U.S. has seized some ships as well, uh, carrying weapons. Uh, the, the, um, this comes in the context also of the Iran's attempt to launch a new missile, into orbit. It failed to go into orbit. It had three research pods. But the real point of these exercises is to test their ballistic missile capacity. And they're not allowed to build it. It's a violation of both UN resolutions and of the JCPOA. And they're supposed to have not done any of this for eight years. 
in terms of the ballistic missiles, and they're doing it, but they're doing it in the guise of the space program. The space program is almost non-existent. The missiles, the, the satellites they're putting up are, are virtually useless. Whether these research pods would have meant anything had they actually gone into orbit or not, can't say, but the um, uh, you see how Iran is constantly advancing its capacities and in, in enrichment, et cetera, and it's uh, and the Houthis are one of their major allies. It is remarkable that the good guys are able to survive in that area of the world, I'll tell you. You have to, th- you have to thank God every single day because without him, I don't know if we'd be able to uh, get through all this. By the way, speaking of which, what's, all, what's with all the social media posts that talk about the destruction of Israel and threatening that, you know, we have this set up here and there and drones are going to be going here and there and if you, you know, and just be prepared. I mean, I'm sure you've seen them. I mean, I, you know, there's only there's only a certain degree to which they can be taken seriously, I would assume. How does Israel deal with all these social media posts that seem to be coming out of Iran? Well, they, they take seriously the threat of Iran, and that's, that's why I mentioned and talked about their capacities with, with UAVs, which people, you know, talk about drones as uh, toys and you know that they uh, Take they don't realize the degree to which they have upgraded their capacity for carrying weapons and and payloads, and and their distribution of them. They're establishing manufacturing places in South America and in in, uh, in Lebanon to produce their own UAVs uh, based on the Iranian m- models. So yes, this is a it's a very serious developments in terms of uh, their capacity to to um, disrupt life in the, in the region, and it's not just against Israel, it's against Saudi Arabia, against the UAE, against others, anybody that they are uh, opposed to. And uh, you, you see that they continue to export oil illegally. We see that they um, have the celebrations of the Soleimani assassination two years ago were used as a pretext for vicious anti-Israel manifestations, anti-American manifestations, threats to kill Pompeo and Trump. Uh, and uh, now there's supposedly 127 people that they're looking for internationally. And I will tell you that the threats are taken seriously. Pompeo has a security guard around him. And the the um, the most interesting thing to me was that the destruction of a statue that was just put up this week in honor of, of Suleimani, and it was burnt by uh, demonstrators that night. The, uh, and the events inside the country are... are are being totally ignored. The hunger, the fact that that 60% under a drought, 20 million people moved to the cities, that the uh, economic conditions have deteriorated so rapidly, and the vulnerability of Iran because of it, and yet you don't see uh, attention paid um, to it. They continue to back their militias. They continue to provide uh, weapons to, to them. I think there are 36 militias in Syria, and the, the, this is at the expense of the people. You know that they have that Iran launched a Spanish TV station. I mentioned it maybe a year ago or more, but I just checked this week that it's actually broadcasting. It's part of their efforts in South America and to uh, other Spanish-speaking audiences. But they they have broadcast in in numerous languages, and you know a lot of it occupies itself with Israel and crosses the line into blatant anti-Semitism. Uh, so. Uh, Iran um, gets overshadowed. The talks in Vienna don't seem to be going uh, anywhere. Uh, we have to 
ramp up the sanctions. We can cut off some of these uh, oil exports. What they do is they go at night, they unload small amounts onto non-registered ships or foreign registered ships uh, off the coast. They do like three, four nights to fill up the ship, and then they go off and they turn off their transponders so they can't be traced. And by that, they're exporting huge amounts of, of oil still. And that money funds both the IRGC and the Supreme Leader's operations and, uh, and their attacks. On the prior point, um, it's not a foreign concept to us to see the media ignore certain things, especially when it has to do with uh, a certain political bent. So I guess it shouldn't be a surprise for anybody uh, to know that if demonstrations are going on in the country like Iran against the government... Uh, that they're just being ignored by the media. And I'm not talking about our media right now. I'm talking about, you know, obviously you're referring to Iranian media and stuff coming out of the Middle East. I, I assume, you know, media outlets that are controlled by the government, essentially. Uh, just as, as I said, it's not a foreign concept to us here because a lot of things that we uh, would assume a, uh, a centralized media would not ignore uh, are being ignored. Uh, finally, um, it's been a couple of weeks since we asked you about Putin and uh, the Ukraine. What do you think of the buildup on that border? Well, they removed several of the troops. I think uh, a strong stand by the West has uh, perhaps um, delayed, but I think the original intent wasn't to take an action until February. So we will have to see. It's it's certainly um, one of the situations which, again, people get tired of after the first two, three days, weeks, uh, certainly after a month or so, and we we hardly see the coverage that they have the fact that you got tens and tens of thousands of Russian troops still seeing seeing on the border uh, of the Ukraine, and Russia's making certain demands, and they want uh, certain actions taken by the U.S. and reducing our commitments and and presence there. It's really an uh, anti-NATO expansion move in in large part, but also has popular support within the the country. And and as you mentioned it, I just want to say a, a proof of your point in how little attention is given to the riots in, in Kazakhstan. Uh, people don't know where it is, but it's a vital country. It's a country that has had Jews for 2,500 years, took in 250,000 Jews during the war, maybe more. Um, I visited there, and we brought, in fact, a safer Torah there and danced in the streets in Almaty, which is the largest city and was the capital at the time until it built uh, Astana, the new capital. Um, but this is a, a country that is... Uh, pro-West, um, and is going through really challenging uh, times. The the former leader, Nazarbayev, it seems a lot of demonstrations were attacking him and talking about rights and, and other things, but an unstable Kazakhstan would have broad ramifications, and yet it gets almost no attention. Yeah. <clears throat> like so many other important things. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak, please, God, again next week. God willing. Malcolm Good Hon- Thank you, Good Chavez. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. We are awaiting Rabbi Yudin, who's scheduled to join us from Israel. Keep it here at JM in the AM. <laughs> Shoimre, <laughs> Shabos, <laughs> we 
Friday morning on this Arab Shabbos Parsha's bow with candlelighting in New York at 424. Always extra special when Rabbi Yudin is in Israel speaking to us about this week's Parsha. And thank God we have that privilege today, this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos. With great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. And really, here it's good afternoon, and you're not going to believe this. Rumor has it that the weather in the New York area is a bit nippy. I kid you not, I am sitting on a mirpeset in Ramat, Beit Shemesh, looking over Beit Shemesh on a Friday afternoon in just my shirt sleeve. I am not even wearing a sweater. This is not everyday Israel winter, but I can tell you the schus of being here in the winter. When it rains, Baruch Hashem, it rains, and it can rain very strongly. Remember, every time it rains with a passion, so to speak, when it teems, I think of that Mishnah in Avos. In the fifth chapter of Avos, we are taught that there were many miracles that took place in the base of Migdash, including the fact that there were three ma'arachos, there were three fires that were constantly on the Mizbeach, and even when it teemed, not rained or drizzled, but it was coming down heavily, the fires were never extinguished. This is Eretz Yisrael. When it, all I can say is, come. That's all. That's it. Now, I have a job to do, and let's get to work. Wow. Parshas Bo. We're off and running. What does that mean? It means until now, we've had but three mitzvos in the Torah, three in the book of Horatius, and now this Shabbos Parshas Bo, starting with HaChodesh HaZelachem, which is the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people, which is the mitzvah of the Jewish calendar, that we have a lunar calendar, except that there are times, such as this year, that seven out of 19 years is a leap year, so that we can make sure that Pesach is always going to be in the springtime. Parsha's bow contains 20 mitzvos. There are 11 losase, 11 restrictions, and nine positive mitzvos. Now, if you have a Sefer Achinoch, Hebrew or English, whatever you're comfortable with, bring it to the table tonight, and you're going to see something very interesting. I'd like to share with you an insightful thought of the Be'er Yosef on this parsha, And the Be'er Yosef says as follows, this is the week of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, literally two million plus individuals, I don't want to say walked out of Egypt, we were rushed out of Egypt, remember? And the idea is as follows, that in order to accomplish this, the Torah tells us in Devarim, Perik Dalid, Pasuk Lamid Dalid, and I read for you, whereby HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, oh, which means, has something like this happened ever before? Number one, Pasuk Lamid Gimel, but will be in a few weeks that you experienced Sinai 
you heard, you received prophecy from Hashem, but now here we go. Hanisa Elokim Lavo, Vakachas Logoi, Mikerev Goi. Has such a thing ever happened before, you ready? Whereby HaKadosh Baruch Hu took out a nation from within a nation. Goi, Mikerev Goi. He took the Jewish people out of Egypt. But what does that mean, Goi, Mikerev Goi? So the Beriosev quotes the Medrash Shochatov, and it explains it as follows. Ke'odam, like a person, like a farmer who is trained or a veterinarian who is professional, who knows how to supervise the birth of the calf from the cow, from the mother, the way that the baby is extracted from the mother that's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu took us out of Egypt. Now, wait a second. He goes on to explain that myself and many, many others who've never had the experience to participate in a birth, the actual process, he says the last thing you want to ever do is start pulling or any other word you want to use, because in that case, God forbid, you're going to harm both mother and baby. So in order for a birth to take place, you have to wait until the Vlad, until the baby, the embryo, is his chil take Until there is some movement on the part of the baby, then once movement has begun, you can execute and take care safely of the birth. Similarly, we were in Mitzrayim. In order for there to be the Is Orusa de Le'ela, in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to take us out, there had to be some Is Orusa de Le'sato. There had to be some movement by us here down below. Now, what and how did this movement take place? So, interestingly, had Hashem only said to me, Yudin, what do you suggest we do as the first mitzvah or the group of mitzvahs in order to get the people out of Egypt? So, I would have said very simply, Hashem, Aaron is your spokesman. Gather all the people together will get a good microphone, and they'll all hear Shema Yisrael. They'll all hear the concept of Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, that is a God. No, Hashem said, you didn't thanks, but no thanks. I got a better idea. And the better idea is that each family is going to celebrate a Thanksgiving dinner. Each family is going to celebrate their freedom. Interestingly, we celebrate it even before Chatzos, even before the firstborn of Egypt was killed. We celebrate our Amuna. We celebrate our Bitochon. But listen very carefully. Where is it done? It's done in the bias. It's done in the Jewish home. Take a look and count. Bring the Chumash to the Torah tonight, to the table. And what do you find? Starting with the beginning of chapter 12, HaChodesh HaZel 
right? So the Torah tells us there, that's one. If there aren't enough people in the house to participate and to complete the lamb, because it has to be eaten that night before mid the night, then you go with your neighbor, that's number three. Take my word for it. No less than eight times do you find the word bias in one form or another. But techem, etc. The idea is bias is there eight times to show us and to impress upon us that what is going to take the Jewish people out of Egypt, what is the movement that we have to take in order to disconnect ourselves from the Egyptians, establish a Jewish home. And how do you establish the Jewish home? Number one, amazing. We take the God of Egypt and we slaughter it. And then, only then, once we've slaughtered it, can we bring it into our home. We take the blood of the Karban Pesach and we put it on the doorpost and on the lentil so that a neighbor, should a neighbor of ours want to come, he sees that. The blood of his God, he's not coming in. And just in case he would want to come in, says the Torah later on at the end of Pashat, an uncircumcised male cannot participate in it. The Torah is creating a wedge. The Torah is creating a distance between the Jewish home and the Egyptian home because this is going to be our geula. This is going to be the way that we are going to be saved in Mitzrayim. We're going to have a Thanksgiving dinner. Now, what does that mean? The same way that the Gemara tells us that our Ba'ah, Lahodos, what does that mean? That there are four different individuals who experience, be it from the word Chayim, Bechola Chayim, those who were sick, Bench Gomel, and when we had a Migdash brought a Korban Toda, in Mitzrayim, Lo'alenu, so many were sick. In Mitzrayim, we underwent Yisurin, which means various kinds of challenges, torture, punishments. We crossed the Yam seven days later when we left Egypt. And finally, we went into the Midbar, into the desert. So we had a Thanksgiving celebration. And God says, this is the way. When the family celebrates, we create a family unit. And this family unit is the means with which we established an identity, enabling us, please God, to leave Mitzrayim. A very powerful idea. Now let's take this one step further. On the Pasuk, in this week's parsha, whereby, Hashem says, Now listen carefully, everybody. We're talking about the night of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We're talking about the night that at mid the night, there was not a single Egyptian home whereby there wasn't a dead person in that home. And what are we to do? We are not to leave our homes that night. Why? So listen carefully. First of all, says Rav Hirsch, a beautiful idea. You can't leave your home because, God forbid, we could have been vulnerable at that time to a mob mentality. 
the Egyptians had tortured us and been cruel to us for so many years. And now there could have been that evening of sweet revenge. There could have been that evening that we would have broken the windows and we would have looted all their stores. Ah, no, says the Torah. That's not the way a Jew acts. Be proud. That is what Rav Hirsch says so beautifully. On that puzzle, the Atem and you, you are not to leave your home, right? Until the morning, listen carefully, on that pasuk, says the Meshachachmah, the Advot, this is, by the way, chapter 12, pasuk 22, you're not to leave your home at Boker until the time of Moshiach. Meaning that just as the Jewish home was the fortress which maintained our peoplehood, so too is it to be the fortress which maintains us ad bias hagoel until the Mashiach comes. How important is the Jewish home? First of all, no one's in your house. You had a hard day. You come home. You're tired. You want to relax. No one's there. I ask you, are you going to put your feet up on the kitchen table? on the dining room table? And the answer is no. Why not? Why not? It's a shulchan. Zeh shulchan l'smei Hashem. We look upon our shulchan, our table, that you're going to have your Shabbos meal tonight, and even the meals you eat during the week, that this is special. This is like the shulchan, literally, the mizbeach, literally, in the Beis Hamikdash. What's that soul shaker on the table? Is it good for your diet, not good for your diet? Don't worry. I'm not even using it. Just the fact that it's on the table says a lot. I'll Just as there was salt on the table, on the Mizbeach, so too we have ours. The whole idea that the home has a certain sanctity. God says to the Jewish people, make for me a sanctuary. And I, my Shechina, will dwell in them. It doesn't say in it, in the Mikdash, but rather in each and every home, in each and every community that's listening to this Dvar Torah. The Shechina is in your home. Wow. What a privilege. What a schus. And therefore, I urge everyone, all the parents where this is Shayach. First of all, parents, put away your phones much of the time that you are home, that it distracts you from being with your children. And the children, especially the teenagers, it's so important that all the devices be filtered, all of them be limited, all of these devices be monitored. It should not be free reign and open, but it requires shmirah. There's a mezuzah on the door on the outside, and you have to do your shmirah, your protection on the inside. And let me suggest something. Spend more time with your children and do so in a positive, playful way. You're not going to believe it, but take a look at the Gemara in the beginning of Avodah Zorah, Gimel and Dalit, whereby 
The Gemara interestingly describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu in different times and what he does in the day. And listen carefully, it's an interesting machlokas. You ready? Whether, what is he doing? He's either playing with Leviathan or he's teaching the children. And the answer is, there's no machlokas. He's doing both. What does that mean? In order to teach the children, he plays with them first. He plays with the Vyasan. Now, this is very, very challenging, and I'm not bringing it down. A Gemara, which is something which we can't and don't understand, but on a very simple level, we ought to learn from this that we have to create a much more inviting, pleasant environment with our children. And finally, let's end with the following beautiful uh, Targum Yonis and Ben Uziel. The Torah tells us in this week's parsha they went from Ramses to Sukkot. And on that pasuk, the Targum Yonis and Ben Uziel says, what does that mean? That they were enveloped by the Anane Kavod. Wow. Just as when we left Mitzrayim, when we prepared by establishing the Jewish home, we were privileged to have the Ananei Kavod. So too, I pray that we can, as challenging as it is, with all the negativity in the air about us, when we close the door to our home, we can create for ourselves and our children that most beautiful environment, looking to the third base Amigdash for its inspiration. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Thank you, of course, to Mark Zamek for the reminder about his Yatsavu. <laughs> the Arab Shabbos show is amazing, and I thank Mark for that. Speaking of amazing programming here on our network, keep in mind that this coming Sunday morning, Matis is going to present JM Sunday as he always does. Pretty remarkable how he always does. Um, 
And this coming Sunday, Matis is going to feature a guest. Uh, JM Sunday will start at 7 a.m. live, 7 a.m. Eastern time. Pamela Braun Cohen, author of Hidden Heroes, will be Matis' guest. It's one woman's story of rescue and resistance in the Soviet Union. Sunday, JM Sunday, starts at 7 a.m. Pamela Braun Cohen is Matis' guest. She's the author of Hidden Heroes, one woman's story of rescue and resistance in the Soviet Union. So that's coming up. This coming uh, Sunday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Reminder about what's happening the rest of the day here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, let's see here. We've got Table for Two, brand new with Naomi Nachman. I thought Naomi's going to join us, but uh, she's not able to this morning. But she's on at 9 o'clock with a brand new show. She'll be joined by Shani Seidman from Heaven and Earth Foods, Cookie Cohen from Coco Food Company, Alex Rappaport from Maspia, and Ari Markowitz from Prime Kosher, all coming up on Table for Two between 9 and 10. Erev Shabbos show replay happening at 10 a.m. with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Erev Shabbos music mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at Savrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And, of course, um, uh, Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, as we said, with this special guest that he has planned for Sunday. Uh, 14 minutes, 40 hour, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 424. 424 candle lighting time. Want to wish a mazel tov to Yitzchak Baruch Gafni on his ufruf. Yitzchak Baruch Gafni, mazel tov on your ufruf from all of us here at JM in the AM. Standing very near He's passed this way before He might just live next door But somehow He's someone we've ignored He watches as we walk To show our hearts So full of love Dressed up in our finest To thank the one above Yet none could find a way Or make time in their day To ask him if he'd like To come and pray Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free Just one Shabbos, come and join with me We'll sing and dance to the sky With our spirits so high We will show them all it's true Let them come and join us too Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free Just one Shabbos, come and join with me We'll sing and dance to the sky I said to him, hello, my friend, he seemed a bit surprised. I wished him a good Shabbos, confusion filled his eyes. I've seen you all before, I'd love to learn much more, but I've never done it all, I'm just not sure. I asked him, won't you join with us to understand and see? He came and stayed a while and thanked us happily. Next Shabbos came along. His feelings grew so strong He first began to feel that he belonged Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free Just one 
Ay, ay, me coim que voy y todo Que voy 
Lipa, Kavoda Malayalam. Arab Shabbos Parshas Bo, Kedna Lighting in New York is 424. <coughs> 424, Kedna in New York. Make sure to be uh, listening all day long to our amazing programming. Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two coming up next. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Coming up at 10 o'clock, Arab Shabbos music mix all day long. All brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Keep it here, everybody, at the Nahum Siegel Network. Time to say good job is with Journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer. There's nothing left to do. Say good job Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say a special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do
Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Round the world of web, nachomsegal.com and the nachomsegal network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Our good friend B. Rosenbaum wrote on the app, Good morning, Nachum. Hope you're well. I'd like to take this opportunity to make mention of my parents, Eva and Oscar Friedfertig of Blessed Memory. It was their 71st anniversary. They were Holocaust survivors and built a wonderful life in America for themselves. My brother and me, they were the ultimate role models of Yiddishkeit and all its values. May their memories always be for a blessing. And we do remember Eva and Oscar this morning. And B, I thank you for that. And best regards to your entire family. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. A great Friday morning edition of JM in the AM. Plenty more coming up, including a brand new Naomi Nachman table for two next. And um, uh, all day long, the Arab Shabbos program with Mark Zamek, brought to you by Kedem, and of course the Arab Shabbos Music Mix in the final hour, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Matis has a special guest on Sunday morning. Uh, JM Sunday begins at 7 a.m. on Sunday, and don't forget that Matis will have author Pamela Braun Cohen, author of Hidden Heroes, on the air. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend. Till next week, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.